coming live at you. Kansas City, Missouri. Kansas City, Kansas. Pretty much right on the border from the Kansas City Speedway where they hold their big NASCAR races every year. We're at the Royal the biggest barbecue competition in the country. and Smell the way in I, Yeah, you can, and I, I bet you all know that voice right there. But what I'm talking about right now is that some days in my life are better than others. Some days are just meant to be. And when you mix barbecue and the scents and the smells and everything that I'm witnessing right now sitting in this booth, and there probably is some background noise because there's a lot of energy, all But some days are better than ever, and I want to start this off with my cat, one of my best friends in the world since I was born, Leith Lofton from the great state of Mississippi. He's live. He's going to be playing the Traeger party tonight. But he's got a new song. He's going to just uh, sing a little bit of it right now. And where I'm going with this Better Days theory is that for me to be able to have a world champion and Matt from Meat Church Barbecue, y'all heard of him, at Meat Church on Instagram. And, of course, the one and only Leith Lofton. Leith, please do us a little bit of uh, Some Days Are Better Than Others. It's actually called Some Days. Yeah, my, what a pretty sunrise Lighting up the perfect sky And I can't wait to see what the day's gonna bring I was raised take nothing for granted The good Lord won't leave you empty-handed But he ain't scared to give or take away anything Yeah, good times roll and hard times end And that's just the way it is Some dogs bark a little louder Some moms feel a little prouder Some stars shine a little brighter And some burdens get a little lighter Some whiskey kicks a little stronger Some loves last a little longer Above the ground is better than under Some days are better than others Good. What do you think of that, Matt Church? What do you think, Meat Church? What do you think? Damn, he's good. <laughs> Isn't he? <laughs> he's better at that thing. That's, that's unreleased music. I can't give them all of it, but it's <laughs> unreleased. But y'all, y'all get ready for what's getting ready to go down in Leith Lofton's musical endeavors. I'm so proud to know him. But I mean, when you hear lyrics like that, Matt, and you and you listen to the songwriting talent that goes into something like that. You can feel the passion, and you you um, are, have developed a lifestyle and a career that involves that word 100% because anybody can say that they're going to go in their backyard and, and, and grill out, but to make a living at it, that's a different deal. So would you say that most of what you're experiencing in your life at the time being was uh, originated through passion? 2,000%. Uh, the cool thing is Meat Church was an accident, and it wasn't that I set out to build a business. I got picked to be on the TV show Barbecue Pitmasters and you know I found out that you could you could take your own rub on the show and if you use your own stuff they'd show it but anyway the point is there was the accidental birth of Meat Church but uh, cooking barbecue is my hobby right so I'm, I'm very passionate about it and it's I look back my Meat Church is four and a half years old and to take something I did in my backyard to, I barbecue to bring people together and have a good time drink a few beers make good memories and to be able to turn that into a full-time job is, I mean, it's an American dream, I guess you could say. So, And, and you mix that with competitiveness now. You're competing. You're, you're actually going to a, an event to where you're grilling, you're barbecuing, you're smoking. There, there's certain um, qualifications in order to do that. At this particular one, give, give Leith and I a little bit of uh, how do you get invited or how do you even qualify to be part of the Royal? Yeah, so let me tell you about it. So this is the American Royal here in Kansas City, uh, the World Series of Barbecue, they say. And there's actually two competitions that will occur this weekend. So the first one is the Invitational, which will, people will cook tonight and they'll turn their food in tomorrow. And then the following day, there's the Open, where anyone can come and pay for a spot and compete. And I'll tell you the difference. So to qualify for the Invitational, you have to win a qualifying event around the country or around the world. So basically, a, a, team, a, a competition would say 25 teams. If you win that, you get an invitation to come here. So if you're cooking tonight, it's the best of the best. Now, not all of them show up, but the big players show up. So tonight, uh, these guys light their fires and cook. You know they're going to be cooking against around 200 of the best cooks in the country. I mean, it's it is it's kind of scary to be honest with you. And then the following day, the Open. I haven't competed here in a couple years, but last time I competed, we had 620 teams in the Open. And so you have those same 
200 teams from the night before. If you're going to do the Invitational, you got to do the Open. So they're in it as well as everybody else, uh, which today, you know, we're here with Traeger, and, and we're going to be cooking the Open. Um, but I, let me give, just compare it for you. A couple years ago, I, uh, I cooked in this contest, and I got 15th in ribs in the Invitational. I was real proud of that. And the next day, I cooked what I felt like were the exact same ribs, and I got 330th on those in ribs. In the open. In the open. So it's, it's not necessarily a crapshoot, but your barbecue is going on the table with five other teams, so you're only going head-to-head, per se, with those folks. Uh, but you, you can get up to 180 points on one meet, and there's four meets in the contest, uh, and they add it all together, and that's how you, how you win. So um, your number out of 180 points possible uh, will go against all the other you know, entries that are in the room, and that's how you get stacked up. So uh, there's a little, you know, you got to be a little lucky. I mean, your food's got to be amazing, but you got to hit the right table. The judge has got to like what you have, and you got to make sure yours is better than everybody else on the table to even have a shot. And if you want to win this whole thing, which I think is like 10 grand and a huge crown, and you're going to be barbecue famous you um you've got to do really well in all four you, you can't win like you could get first place in brisket chicken and ribs but if you tanked in pork you'd have no shot you have to be really consistent and really high in all four categories to have a shot consistent and high in all four categories are we talking out of 200 teams consistent and high means top five in all or top 30 in all where where, where do you have to fall you it, think in all four categories all four meets and, and and before you answer that question what are the four meets so brisket and, and by the way you have to turn in six portions for the judge you can turn in whatever the heck you want so brisket and that would normally be at least six slices of brisket brisket and a lot of people will also turn in a kansas city burn in in that box ribs so you're going to turn in at least six pork spare ribs chicken which a lot of people choose to do chicken thighs and that one's difficult because you have to take these chicken thighs and trim them to all look alike so you're judged on taste tenderness appearance it, you need to turn in the most pretty looking meat you've ever seen. I'll show you guys some pictures. It's a little crazy. Uh, and then the last category is pork. And so like a pork butt and people will turn in a, a few different pieces out of it. Some money muscle, some pulled pork, some shredded chunk tubes, whatever, uh, to make the prettiest looking box. So when you turn this thing in, you got to take a, a styrofoam box and put some green bait, usually kale in the bottom of it, which I always thought was kind of odd to put some green lettuce looking stuff and, you know, beneath barbecue. And then you you lay this meat up there and it's got to look pristine. Every piece needs to look symmetrical so you get best points on appearance. It's got to have the right tenderness. It's got to taste amazing. A lot goes into this. People spend a lot of money. This is a this is an expensive sport, so to speak. So you got brisket, you have ribs, you have chicken, and then the fourth meat is pork butt. Pork, yes. And, and that would, would, on a pork butt, and I want to ask Lee this also, but I have a question for him, but pork butt, you're, is it 100% pulled pork to where it, that's how you present it to the judges in a pulled pork matter? You can you can actually turn in whatever you want, but what we'll do Saturday, uh, Chad Ward and I are going to compete together. We'll trim out the pork butt to where there's a piece that it kind of looks like a tenderloin. It's called the money muscle, and they call it the money muscle because that's what you got to turn in to get paid, basically. So we'll actually slice that up, and it look, it'll, like I said, it'll kind of look like sliced tenderloin. We'll put that in there, and then we'll probably do some pulled. There's a, there's a method to pull some kind of chunks out or tubes. So we'll probably put three different choices in there so when the judge opens the box, they can say, oh, I want that slice of money muscle. I'm going to try that pulled pork. I'm going to try that tube pork, you know, whatever they want. Leaf, yeah. Matt's talking about an open contest that they'll they'll start firing up tomorrow, and then they'll present to the judges on Sunday. Upwards of 600, 650 teams and cooks from across the country. Yeah. If Leaf Lofton was in this contest, oh. and you don't have to worry about what meat you get to present, what are you going to give to the judges? And I don't care if it's I don't care if it's red fit speckled. Trout from Louisiana, whatever. What does Leith Lofton throw down in front of those judges? What's your forte, my man? Buddy, I I, I wore out some uh, deer backstrap the other night, some white-tailed backstrap. I, I just recently harvested in Kentucky. So uh, I, if they tasted some of my backstrap, I cut a, a about a two-inch thick steak, and uh, I did a – I was uh, taught a little reverse sear from one Mr. Chad Ward, and I did a reverse sear on my – Timberline 850, and uh, I'm telling you, it was the most tender, juicy steak you thought it was. Jeff Ruby's from Nashville. Y'all go check Jeff Ruby's out. I just ate there with you. I love, I love their raw bar. Now, now, I, I got a question about somebody like Matt and Chad Ward. 
I wear Chad Ward out. Does this happen in your life with all of the guys that you've interviewed? That you've- Never happened. <laughs> no, but Non-stop. How, many, how many texts do you get started about 3 o'clock on a Friday from your buddies? Yeah, which, hey, how long for the pork? Yeah. <laughs> what rub for this? It's you usually know? Saturday afternoon when the phone blows up. You know, people <laughs> like 3, 4, 5 o'clock. Ah, I got a party at 5. My brisket's not done. What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can't. I mean, I get them. I get them during duck season. Hey, man, I'm going to hunt this yeah. this field, and, and and what do I do with my decoys and the blood? But I mean, I'm literally I'm responsible for one weekend. I probably had 30 texts into Chad Ward because I went Friday, Saturday, Sunday with a bunch of grilling, and I'm like, hey, man, that one time when we were in Iowa and you did that cherry pie, did, did you smoke it first or did you do this? Oh, and yeah. I could just imagine y'all get worn out, but. <laughs> You, you you created this and you better be careful what you wish for when you get to this this level of of barbecue excellence because I'm I'm here to attest that there is a difference. Oh dude. There's a Hon- difference. Yeah, I, so I, I teach barbecue. I'm a really unique brand and so I, I, I like to share my passion for what I'm doing. I host these classes in my backyard and I tell people, you take my class, you got access to me, here's my cell phone, here's my here's my email. And every time I say it I start to cringe. I'm like, oh man, that guy you know and, and like <laughs> you know, last weekend I taught a class and I think this dude's called me like five times. Can I get your number after this is uh, over? For sure because Chad Ward you, don't answer me. You guys have you guys have good things to trade so uh so i'm in i'll play a backyard party for you yeah i mean that's what i need music i need a duck hunt we're in so let me ask this is what i was thinking when i see somebody like you that that kind of steps outside of that hobby right you you, you it was a hobby you get invited on to pitmasters you have success now meat church blows up four years later your your social media i saw today or yesterday you hit the two hundred thousand follower plateau and you're a freaking barbecue and and you're from the state of Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas, even egos. So, did you did you have people going, man? This dude don't know his ass. He ain't no different than Lenny from down the street. You know what I'm saying, Leith? It's almost like kind of like those Southern duck hunters treat, treat that boy from Reno with the flat bill hat. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That overcalls at those ducks. It overcalls everything. Wears a flat bill. Doesn't know how to put waders on. Doesn't know how to drive a boat. But you know what I'm saying, Matt? Like, yeah. barbecue in Texas, oh, Texas. is that's a big yeah. part of Texas. So yeah. is, is there, do you, do you feel some pressure to represent the state of Texas when you're stepping out into this ore? I do. I'm, I'm not being cocky, but I'm real confident in what I do. And I'll tell you up front that I appreciate all the regions of barbecue. So I, I was actually born in Tennessee. I grew up on pork. Uh, so I grew up on kind of a sweet profile. But I got to Texas in my teenage years, and I ate a bite of a beef rib. And our, our barbecue salt and pepper, big beef. And I was like, whoa. Like, I want yeah. to do that. So, you know, let's, let's just say we took a flight to North Carolina tomorrow, and we had a whole hog with their vinegar sauce. Or, you know, we went down the street here to Joe's and had their Kansas City burn-in. Or we went to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and had ribs that are cooked over direct fire. It's not how I would cook it, but I appreciate what went into it and try to pay respect to it. So, you know, the, co- the good thing is if you, even if you feel the pressure – at the end of the day, I tell you, look, my way is just my way, right? It might not yeah. be what you like, and hopefully you dig my passion and you want to go do it, but I can't tell you what you think tastes good, and this whole thing's subjective. We're not running the 40, right? You get to choose what you like, and so I'm super into what I do, and, and the, the Meat Church congregation on Instagram is good to me. If I get any negativity, they self-police, so if I get a negative comment within an hour, like 50 people have jumped their ass, you know? <laughs> so, and, and that's almost like you're, you're a cult leader. I'm not saying that you're David Koresh from another real popular part of your state, Waco. <laughs> I ain't drinking no Kool-Aid. So. <laughs> but, yeah, it's not Jim Jones sitting over here, but you become a cult leader. Chad Ward is a cult leader. This yeah. son of a bitch is a cult. I mean, he's got a following with whiskey band that you, he's he's famous off of barbecue. And I'm not yeah. saying that that he's you reached this status of celebrity. I'm not trying to say that, but you guys do have this following of supporters that are like, "Hey, man, that's our guy, and he is our cult leader. What he says is the gospel." Yeah. And I mean, no, hey, no pun intended with the meat church, but that's pretty. I'll good. take it. That's a good one. Matt's gospel that's a good right one. there. You know. Little do you know that uh, my all-purpose rub is called the gospel. <laughs> that's awesome. Is it really? Heck yeah! My beef rub's called Holy Cow. I mean, <laughs> I, I I get on the edge there a little bit. Yeah. My Southern Baptist family's like, oh, slow down. That's a little close. <laughs> so, do you, being from Texas, do you hunt? Oh, yeah. So, um, I grew up hunting. Um, my, my, my papa from Tennessee taught me to hunt. And so, hunted all my life now, admittedly, has come to a, 
almost a screeching halt for two reasons. I popped out two kids back to back and Meat Church blew up, so I don't exactly have a lot of free time. Uh, but yeah, I love to hunt. I, you know, switched uh, on whitetail exclusively to bow hunting. Um, got a few shotguns, shoot a few birds. I'm not real good, but definitely love it. To me, hunting was more about the story than the ending, you know, just getting out of the city and hanging that. out and drinking beer and whatever happens, happens. Now, of course, I'm pissed when I don't get something, but, you know, just getting off the grid. Do you, do you could you right now, if I said, when I tell Lee freestyle song, he can go into a riff and he can just start singing about this banner right here and this table and your hat. Can you do that with... Uh, a deer steak can you say i'm gonna cook deer steaks tonight and, and the way that i cook is that people are like how'd you do that Get, send me that recipe and until the last five months when chad ward and i had come up with this idea of some some recipes in a potential cookbook i would tell a lot of my producers i'm like i can't even type in what i put in that just now do you do that a lot is that is that fair to say that freestyle barbecuing and freestyle cooking is the way to go or do you like to tell people follow this recipe to a t so I definitely work with what I got, depending on where I'm at. You know, like if I'm out running around somewhere, I might not have my stuff. And I have a very distinct style, I would say. Uh, but, you know, and I, and I love to teach people recipes. That's why you come to my website and maybe you like what I use and you buy my products. But I'm a real simplistic cook. Like if you come to one of my classes, I tell people, I'm not trying to chef you to death with a 27-step steak. I'm going to hit you with something that's pretty straightforward, a.k.a. simplistic, to where you can go do it and... When you come to one of my classes, I say, I'm going to teach you four things today. And if you haven't all done all four of these by a month, I'm going to be disappointed. I've kind of failed. So I'm not trying to do anything too crazy. But, yeah, I, you can throw down ingredients in front of me like we are on an episode of Chopped, and, and I'll go at it. So if when Leaf comes to one of my duck camps over the last 18 months, one of the first things I would do on red meat before I would put my rub on is I would put olive oil on there. Is this a no-no But if you're going to dry rub a steak with beef? Is, is olive oil a, a no-no? And if it is, why? And if it's not, why? So olive oil would be, that would be considered a binder in that point. No different than if you were cooking a pork butt and you slathered it with yellow uh, mustard. So it's just an agent to help the seasoning adhere quicker. So it doesn't, it doesn't usually, it's not really affecting the flavor profile. A lot of people do it. I don't do it a lot, but it doesn't mean that it's wrong. I just do it pretty frequently. What, um, what do you use? What, what would you use as a binder, or would you use a binder? Yeah, well, so if I'm doing something like a steak, I don't normally use a binder because I just think I can sprinkle the seasoning, kind of pat it, flip it, repeat, and I don't necessarily need yeah. it. I'll tell you interesting application. In the holidays, I cook a lot of turkey. Yeah. I mean, you could do this with any, any poultry, but I'll take turkey, and I will slather it in Duke's mayonnaise, and then I just put basically a, a strong salt and pepper on it, which is kind of bold, but it is so good. And I've kind of told, I've been told that that mayonnaise uh, kind of helps keep moisture in. I don't know if that's true or not, but it tastes super good. Hey, I'm gonna have to try it. Sounds like Man. the party's getting turned up here. Try that. There's so much energy at, at and this. I'm, I've been to some barbecue competitions. I've been to the the best of the West rib cook-off, and where I'm from in Nevada, I think there's 20 or 25 teams that compete. The energy here, though, it's a different vibe here. This is a this is a lifestyle here. This isn't all yeah. about that trophy. This is this is camaraderie, almost like oh, yeah. a duck camp, right? There's an interesting thing at this that this uh, venue. Uh, it used to be over at Arrowhead, and they would separate the teams on two sides of the stadium. And one side was your super serious, well-known professional cooks, and the other side was called the dark side, and that's where all the parties were. So all the corporate stuff. So now they're all kind of mixed together. So Obviously, we're about to throw down a big party. We got a huge Cabo Wabo party like right behind us. So, there's definitely be a fair share of partying going on tonight. Do you do you accredit your passion for barbecue on your upbringing? Is this something to where Leith's dad Kenny plays guitar and and, and and can jam? Obviously, there's influences in our life. Was there an influence as far as barbecue goes for you, or did you just pick it up because your wife wanted you to go make her steak one night? So cooking definitely came from my family. My my granny, uh, Northeast Alabama, Scottsboro, she, you know, you'd come home from church on Sunday, and I still can't figure out how she had 74 dishes of food on the table within an hour, right, with their cream potatoes and sweet tea. Seven sides of yeah. my grandma. I was like, how did yeah. you do all that? Well, and went to church. 
exactly. And then I'm still messed up. I still With one know, oven. I come home With from work. Oven. Yeah, exactly. I come home from work and I'm just trying to make like, you know, corn dogs for my kids and two sides. And I'm like, you know, hour and a half later, the kitchen's a wreck. <laughs> but the, so she started my passion for cooking. I just always had a knack for, I'll call it Southern comfort food, you know, fried chicken, et cetera. I, nobody taught me barbecue. I, I'd love to tell you my daddy taught me to barbecue, but unfortunately I taught him. The barbecue thing came from, you know, Texas is a big deal, but like I said, I, I literally went in a central Texas barbecue joint, took a bite of a beef rib, and was like, damn, I want to do that, and then went and bought a pit, and here I am. So when you say here I am, a big part of your life now is this brand that we're all here because of. Is it, honestly, I want transparency on this church. Is Traeger that good, or are they pulling the wool over people's eyes with this marketing campaign and this team and these ambassadors and these influencers and these impressions and this engagement and these sales and this revenue? And what is it about this orange banner right here and this logo of wood-fired grills? Is Traeger really legit with somebody like you, or is it just a myth? Yeah, so I'm, that's a really good question. So let me talk about where I was you know, last year. The professional year. answer and the rookie answer. Yeah, I'm going to ask. I'll we, give my two cents. Well, in I'm going to have you too. come in too after because I, I just I want to know if when but, people when people are a consumer considered a consumer in this country, I don't want to go buy something just because you're making it look cool. Is this really the way to cook meat? Yeah. So th- th- so here's my unfiltered answer. A year ago. I tell you, this is not a brag, just a fact. I had 25 grills or smokers. I had everything. Weber, Big Green Egg, Hasty Bake, Pit Barrel, you name it. Offset Stick Burner, Traeger, on and on and on. And that was cool for me because I sell a bunch of barbecue products, right? And so I'm preaching to everybody, like, hey, you cook on this, cool. You cook on that, cool. I'm selling it to you. I worked with two brands. I worked with Big Green Egg. I worked with Traeger. So right there, I'll tell you, there is nobody in the outdoor grilling or smoking industry doing what Traeger's doing. Like they are, look at this event we're sitting at. How many grilling manufacturers have a 4,000 square foot setup, have flown in 40 people, you know, and having this huge shindig, right? Uh, But they do, like what you see here is how they do everything, whether they're all the way down to a new grill coming out. You know, I don't know the exact numbers, but dropping $5 million in research and development with an automotive engineering firm out of Detroit to study the science of smoke and build what's now known as the Timberline, starting out with a clear grill and ending up with this 850 or 1300, you know, we have today. That thing is next level. Most people don't know that they're a 30-year-old company. They invented the wood pellet grill category. And so here's why, one of the reasons why I went with Trigger. It makes amazing barbecue. And if it didn't, it would be a gigantic reputation hit for me. Because, you know, you're already, you're plugging it in, you're turning up the temperature. I'm already dealing with the purists that say, well, hey, you're cheating. That's an easy bake oven. I said, all right, I'll take it. Easy bake king, good with me. But anyway, what I, here's the deal. What I found is most people, like I'll build you a fire and I'll run a stick burner and we'll make barbecue old school all day long. The majority of Americans don't have time to do that. Or not just Americans, whole world, right? So the cool thing about Traeger, you can set your temperature... You can leave the house, put your brisket on, yeah. head out to watch your daughter play soccer, go to Home Depot, whatever. Come back home. Bed, bath, and beyond if we got time. I don't know. Don't know if we're going to have time. <laughs> so, you know, anyway, you can go do all that stuff, and it's still the same temperature you left it at. And so it's it's 100% pure wood. Wood has the best flavor. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a win-win-win. And like I said, quite simply, if it wasn't amazing... From, I would say from a barbecue perspective, for me personally, I could have never done this. It would have, the, the conversation wouldn't have started. But everything these guys do is first class. You know, I mentioned I teach these classes. They provided me with these like full color books that I give folks that are my recipes. And they don't, I think I heard once that they don't, they're not selling grills, they're selling an experience and a lifestyle. So their app, for instance, their app is beyond next level. Even I tell people that don't have triggers, get the app, a new recipe comes out on every day. It's beautifully styled. They've got a, you know, a bunch of employees that work on their um, their culinary team. They've got a team of chefs that develop these recipes. Nobody's doing that. Some companies have like one chef or something like that. These guys are amazing. So, and it's just on a rocket ship. You know, uh, one thing Chad Ward's done is he's he has helped put Traegers in the hands of a lot of the well-known professional guys here, so that it's got a lot more credibility. And uh, I think the needle has moved big time. It seems like everybody's got one, and if they don't, they want one. Oh, it's it's the, just from Ace Hardware to Home Depot to Costco to the mom-and-pop independent retailers across the country. People are seeking these things out. And now internationally, Canada, South America, Germany, 
Argentina down in South America. I saw Chile, um, Brazil. You know, we all know about the beef in South America. Now people are going to be able to experience the beef down there. But, Leith, go ahead with what you were talking about as far as a quote-unquote rookie or amateur goes. Yeah. What is Traeger and I'm, I'm, I'm really curious on your answer because I think that a lot of people, they'll come, they'll, they'll go to a, an iconic barbecue joint, and they're like, oh, I want to emulate that. And I think that it kind of makes you look like a hero. But I'm really interested in your perspective Man, of what no, it's done no for your doubt. cooking game. So, um, so my wife and I, we, we got married in 2016, and some friends of ours went, went in, and, and they got to say um, – the, the Kamado Vision, which is kind of a knockoff of the green egg, right? <clears throat> so I cooked on that for a little while, and that's that's lump charcoal, so that's that's is cl- I mean that's wood charcoal, um, but and and it's a great grill. I, I have nothing against it, but you have that that when you have your friends over and you throw something on there, well you're you're you know, and I'm I'm. Notorious. I get distracted. I drink my beer and I'm talking, and next thing I know, my grill's. Over. I'm I'm wanting it 300, 350, and it's jumping over there 475, and I'm like, ow! Completely ruined the stuffed tenderloin the first time I cooked on there. Um, but so I got this uh, my timberline. One of the first things I did was uh, teach my wife how to turn it on. <laughs> Win. <laughs> but. Uh, but then I cooked some uh, a pair of drunk chickens on there that was just the best chicken I've ever cooked ever, hands down. And it was just, it just, you know, I, that's why I wanted to hear what you had to say about it because you're a professional, and to me it seems like it it takes all the the know-how, but the know-how is in prepping the meat and knowing what to do with the meat and what. Like, I've heard Chad Ward talk about it like his damn rocket science, and it's cooking meat, and I'm just like, what are you talking about? It does this and does that, you got to let your meat do this. And I'm like, see, that's the stuff that's professional. But the, the Traeger grill will turn somebody like me into a pretty good cook. But I'll never be your caliber because y'all know too much. But it will make the average consumer... Uh, enjoy what he's cooking that night. Yeah, and I, I've heard people, and not to cut you off, Lee, but like Jim Ray, who you know in Reno, Matt, he's he's insanely talented culinary-wise. I mean, this guy can do, he can carve out the bones of a duck, you know, and, and debone a duck and make this Nerf football duck with, with, with rope and, and, and string and stuff and put it all back together. And now he's doing, he literally will tell you honestly that he doesn't even use his kitchen anymore. I mean, he's That's doing awesome. everything from his vegetables to his desserts to his meats to everything on his Traeger. He's got a 34 and an 850, a Pro 34 and a Timberline 850. But keep going, Leith, with what you're talking about. I just want to make sure that, that this isn't just us talking because we're at a Traeger event. This is going on all no, around I, the country. I mean, I, I was pretty much done when you cut me off anyway, but uh, I was just saying it, it just it makes things so much easier and it's it's so great for the backyard every you know the common man out there just grilling in his backyard because he can turn it on and he has his friends over he can drink beer and not worry about the the grill burning his meat over there i mean with your with your typical wood fire grill or charcoal grill you got to watch it so so much and you got to know what you're doing on it you know and i mean i can grill on a weber but it's just you know it's, I just like it. And the wood, the wood, like you said, is the best by far taste. I, I just it it really is. I mean, you know, it comes down to I love smoking stuff, and so I yeah. glazed over this. But when I kind of got into this hobby, it's because I like the smoke taste of everything. And, and man, I, you know, I'm smoking cobblers and yeah. smoking bologna. And, you know, people are like, well, you're smoking that. I love smoke on things. So, you know, I always want to put things in a smoker, and you know, with Traeger, they've also got a little door on the back of them you can open up, and you can drop the pellets out and change the flavor, and it's just super easy. Yeah. What What is Meat Church? Let's Let's apply this to Meat Church. La- the Last Supper. Okay. The Last Supper it is, and you're in charge of it. Let's <laughs> change it to where it's not so Christian. Um, you know what the Last Supper is. I mean, everybody knows about the Last Supper in the Bible, but I'm talking about, let's say I'm on death row, and I pick you to cook my last meal. Is this a little bit easier for the, the ear? Um, what do you cook me if, I, if you get to choose? What's your forte to where I want this man to have the absolute best meal he's ever had before he takes the plunge with this needle right now? 
<laughs> no pressure. <laughs> I'm getting ready to die, Matt. Yeah. I'm going on. De- I'm on death row, and I'm getting ready to go into the freaking chair or under the needle. Or what? in American <laughs> royal terms, uh, you got to win. You got to win tomorrow. What What are you cooking? Oh well, he's yeah. Got, <laughs> he's got to. Cho- he has to do one of four meats in that deal. I want to know what you wanted. Okay. What What's your favorite thing to put on a Traeger and and show off with? Like you're like, hey, check this out. Man, that's a really tough question. Uh, I'm I'm known for cooking steak. I was uh, I, I tell people that I was a steak snob before I was a barbecue guy, and so I'm known for cooking big, massive tomahawk ribeyes. Mm. So nothing better than you know huge steak. I got intimidated in college by a couple truck drivers that had these massive steaks over a campfire, and I had my little bitty hamburgers that shrunk up like sausage patties. So ever since that moment, I was like, damn it, I'm always going to cook the most ridiculous size steak that looks like a hubcap. So uh, I'm a steak guy. I mean, look, I'd hit you with some comfort food, too. I'd chicken fry some steak or something like that, but... I would probably, you know, just a huge tomahawk ribeye, and I'd make you the most unhealthy mashed potatoes with, like, you know, eight parts butter, one part potatoes. <laughs> so, so back to my death row deal, do you think that they would allow a, a tomahawk into that room, or could I use that to maybe fight my way out of there after I eat the meat off the bone? <laughs> Great question. What movie was that on? What was it, Dead Man Walker? I forget um, well, you said something about a chicken fried steak in there. Could you potentially take a Traeger grill with the new cast iron line that they have out, which I I love cast iron. I love cooking duck and wild game and cast mm. iron. Yeah. Could you get it heated up enough to throw down on a really good chicken fried steak with some purple onion and really good gravy off of it can you do can you do chicken fried steak on a traeger yeah I, so i don't fry much on them just i mean you can obviously you just got to get the oil like 325 degrees or so so if you, i would put it in cast iron you certainly could get the traeger up hot enough to get that oil hot enough so you you absolutely could so in my business i have in 200,000 instagram followers let me just tell you anytime you've put a, a pan of oil over a grill that's when people are like what are you doing I'm like, I'm a fireman by trade. I'm good. <laughs> That's not true. I did once burn down 600 acres. Um, On I would, purpose? So, therefore, I'm a fireman. Oh, no, I was shooting bottle rockets at my brother. <laughs> 600 acres? That's strong. Wow. Yeah, front page of the paper looked like Hiroshima. Damn. <laughs> he said Hiroshima. I think that's Hiroshima. Yeah. It's kind of you know, I'm getting fancy. That was fancy. Fancy Texas yeah. lingo right there. Well, so, part of Tennessee are you from originally? Texas. Chattanooga. Oh, you're from Tennessee. He's been talking about I'm, it all day. Where you been? Yeah, I moved to Texas when I was 13. <laughs> did you say that on this podcast? I did. Two oh. times. Two times? Twice. So I got half my... So the whole story is half my family's so. from Georgia, half my family's from Alabama, and they moved to Tennessee and met there. And anyway, I was born in... I was born in Tennessee. Spent a lot of time. Yes, that's sir. Pretty. That's pretty. I like Chattanooga. It, it's a lot cooler now than when I lived there. So, do you? Do you, growing up in Tennessee, do you do you love country music? Oh, okay. Well, now you're gonna get. Now you're gonna scratch the surface here. So I'm. Uh, I've cooked for Luke Bryan four times. I'm going to his. I'm cooking his charity event in four weeks at his farm. I just got a call on the flight up here right before I took off from Dallas to cook for Dirks Bentley. Uh, it'll be the third time I've cooked for them Saturday night in Dallas. So love country music. Uh, told you I had use for you. Love, love country music and have this thing. I cooked the ACMs in Dallas years ago, and then a few people heard of me, and it kind of next thing you know, I started cooking for different people a little bit in Nashville, which is super cool. So they come to they come to Dallas. I get to cook for them. Did they um, ever? look at you and say what is this as far as when you're feeding somebody on Luke's crew or or Dirk's Bentley crew do they do they do they treat you the same way as maybe one of your class guys would do they what are you well, doing that dude's like, a, what, how do you how do you do this teach me how to do that I mean well so when you talk Luke Bryan that's superstar level right like that's it's hard to even put that in words but he's got a um, he's got grills and smokers at his farm I cooked a Super Bowl party this year and he's he it's cool because he's like do your thing do what you're known for so I take I go Texas style on him I do brisket beef ribs things like that and they love it because they don't really get that there Nashville it's more pork and so I thought I'm if, if I'm gonna come from Texas I'm gonna bring you hit you with my style he actually brought me so the year I did the ACMs uh, his I guess tour manager called and said Luke is going to play his first ever stadium show at Vanderbilt and we want to want you to come up and do your thing and so I drove my trailer I've got a like a cargo trailer it's a kitchen basically with a pit on it we drove it up to uh, to Nashville that was surreal after the show I had Butch Jones at the time head coach of Tennessee and a couple of his coaches drinking moonshine in my trailer after the game and 
or after the after the after the concert. So yeah, good times for sure. They love it. Do you do you have a particular dish that Luke or somebody has said? I know when I talked to Chad Ward and what Kid Rock has said about the Axis Dairy cooking, he's like, "How in the hell did you just make it taste like that?" That's what I'm looking for. Is like, do you get yeah. that reaction out people to where they're like, "Are you kidding me?" Like, it, honestly, and it's as simple as telling you brisket because our brisket is very different uh, than anything those people get. You don't, like it, so. Friend of mine, Kerry Bringle, owns Peg Leg Porker in Nashville. They don't yeah. cook brisket. He's like, "Hey, we're gonna leave that to the Texas guys." So you just can't normally get it there, and it's so different. So I mean, I can cook you ribs in five hours. I can cook you a pork butt in seven, eight hours. My brisket is more eighteen to twenty hours. It's a, it's an art to really get it the right way. And when when I cook you this brisket and that salt and pepper um, on top of the fat, just kind of melting all over that brisket and the bark it creates. It's it when I'm you're gonna see one here this weekend. When I show it to you, it's not like anything else you'll see. It's a real Texas brisket. I've got a buddy out here that's got the number one barbecue joint in Texas. He does the same thing. It's just you can't get it anywhere else. So it's like me taking a little part of Texas to you, and it blows them away. I absolutely love the peg chicken, leg chicken and pretty much everything at the Peg Leg Water. Kerry's yeah. awesome. And, He's amazing. He's a cool dude. By him not doing brisket because he – He's got that much respect for the Texas guys doing it. Yeah. It's like a me. I mean, I, I won't cover certain songs because I'm just like, I'm not going to. It's funny that yeah, you I'm just said that. that. It's funny that you just said that because that's kind of where I was going with my question to church about country music is I, I'm going to need you to do a cover. And I was going to ask him if he likes Bo Cephas. Are you a, uh, are you a Bo Cephas fan? Who isn't? Okay. Come well, on. Look, this, this song is called uh, Dinosaur, and I'm just like putting – Leith on the spot right now as he grabs his pick, but this is this is like literally one of the best country songs ever written, and Leith absolutely kills it. But do you remember the words? Maybe. way better at music than I am at barbecue. Ooh, I don't know about that. Well, uh, the verdict is, I don't, here's what I say about Leith is that he's, he's just got an insane talent for the guitar he can pick and his songwriting. When you hear it, when you hear his originals tonight, church on when he plays the concert is his originals, like you heard in that first song he did on better days, they just, they're just clever and his lyrics are awesome. And that's the thing about how he started this is with passion you get there and he doesn't sing like just he doesn't sing cookie cutter what I call cookie cutter country music and he's just on a different level when it comes to songwriting and you know the next level of that is his ability to entertain a crowd and that's kind of like what you do with barbecue as far as when people hear barbecue they don't think of entertainment but with the Traeger lifestyle what you guys do is entertainment. There's an entertainment value to what y'all are providing. And what I always talk to Chad Ward or Tyler Stark or Danny Bruce or any of the guys 
at at corporate is they are bringing back the backyard. They're bringing back the family vibe. They're bringing back, let's get, we understand there's a hustle and bustle in life. We get it. But with what social media has done, with what the ease of texting your mom and telling her you love her instead of calling her, um, the, the simple things that we did before, like communication and talking, I truly feel that that's the theme of what Traeger is bringing back to the backyard, to the family, to this lifestyle of the grill or the quote-unquote pitmaster. I think like what Leith was touching on, they're making us all pitmasters. And I'm not saying that I'm a self-acclaimed pitmaster, but I can make barbecue taste good now because of the Traeger. And it, it's got people talking in my backyard again. So... I cook barbecue, like I said, to bring people together. It's called Meat Church because of the fellowship aspect, hanging out with you boys right now, having you know some good food, that, some drinks. Our life centers around food. Think about how much you're at the dinner table. All I want is people in the backyard hanging out, having a good time. That's my whole life. Somebody says, what do you want to do on your next big birthday? What do you want to do on Father's Day? I want to hang out in the backyard. I want to cook, swim, drink, beer. That's it. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm all about it. Get everybody back in the backyard, make some good food, and make good memories. And do you think do you think that Traeger is successfully filling a need for that in America right now? I mean, is there any more important time for a brand like this to be able to provide that theme? No, I mean, it's, it's super relevant. I mean, I told you they're the only ones, or they're doing it at a level that nobody else is doing it, but they're encouraging you to get out. And, I mean, they've got these promotions all the time, like, uh, you know, Traeger Day or, you know, they got all these things throughout the year that may not even be a holiday or, or they do it on holidays too. On, on Labor Day, it was Traeger Don't Labor. You know, just these catchy things that are encouraging you, hey, on this day, you need to go outside and cook and take pictures and post about it and, and whatever. So, yeah, they're encouraging it like no other. Quick fire questions. What's the, what's the first, what's the number one mistake somebody can make when they go to throw down on a steak? Uh, internal temperature. So that's a great question. I tell people, you the, aside from a, a Traeger, the number one thing you got to have is an instant read thermometer. If you're going to cook, you got to have an instant read thermometer. So that is the instrument that tells you the exact desired internal temperature, a.k.a. doneness. So I mentioned earlier, I like steak before I got into barbecue. I could never figure out how to cook a perfect steak. I did all the stupid stuff. Like I'm like, I want medium rare, and I was doing that stupid-ass finger thing. Like, oh, that's uh, I don't even know what that means. And then I was like taking a knife like a dumbass, and I was cutting the steak open right on the grill. Like, what's it look like? Is it pink? It was terrible. So He was touching here. It's right there. Yeah, I see? I, I'm so messed up, I don't even know where to touch, man. <laughs> told you, told you, I'm not that good. I just I just take good pictures and I'm clever on social media. Oh, no, but God. anyway. Well, um, see, I, I just know that because that's, that's I just uh, got off of that method right there, and I got, I, instantly I was a better cook. Yeah, I mean, I tell my get thermometer. A, I get nothing for telling you this, but go buy yourself a Thermapen. I mean, they're I 90 bucks. One. I just got one. It, that's it, man. That's that's how that's how you know that your. I'll give you three quick examples. That's how you know your steak is 130 to 135 medium rare. That's how you know your chicken is like 160ish. You don't want to go past 165 because then it dries out quick. That's how you know your brisket is tender and where you need it to be. So temperature, done proper doneness. I don't think that's a word is the number one mistake in my opinion is it a no-no to wet marinade red meat or is it should it all be dry rubbed no that's okay um you know there's no right or wrong way but i love marinating stuff i marinate all kinds of stuff i'm i mean i hate to say this but i i so in at home uh channel eight is like our big local media and i used to go saturday mornings and do a cooking segment and they encouraged me to incorporate some store-bought stuff in my recipes because not everybody wants to follow a two-page recipe so i'm just being frank with y'all i can buy a lot of lowry's marinades they go on sale at my store and they're a dollar a bottle and i'll buy like 40 of them and they'll last me till the next sale comes around i will mar- marinate everything from skirt steak so beef like you said to chicken shrimp whatever i love marinating things you impart more moisture in the meat uh particularly important with 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 fish i think um you know and you can add a little bit of flavor depending what you're doing i make a bunch of brines that are real simple they're not crazy flavored they're like you know salt little sugar it's more about putting moisture in something than it is changing the flavor or if you go with like a lowry's like i said that you're going to change the flavor with that but like my daily like during the week we make a lot of chicken trying to be healthy well chicken straight out of the package season is okay but chicken put in a ziploc bag with a bottle of lowry's overnight then seasoned with 
meat church is amazing. Is it? It's interesting. It is interesting to me because I, I was trying to get away from marinades. Well, the, I was there when you uh, when Chad Ward did his podcast, and he thinks more flavor comes from a rub. Yeah. Okay. Let me. Let me. I'm glad you said. It. Let me tell you the lesson I tell people. Or this is my thought when I teach class. I say, look, when you're cooking something, like let's say, uh, let's say chicken. This is a good example. Like a, a whole chicken. You kind of are drawing a roadmap of the flavor profile, not to be goofy. But at the base layer, you can brine it or inject it, right? So that if I'm doing that, I'm choosing again to mainly put moisture in it. I'm not trying. To, I'm just trying to like subtly touch the flavor. Then the next step is you season it. That's where you make the dramatic difference. That's where, to me, you set the course of where this bird's going. Yeah. You know, am I going to go hot? Am I going to go savory? Teriyaki. Put a little sweet. Yeah, teriyaki, <laughs> lemon pepper, garlic and herb, whatever. And then, yeah. so you cook it, and the last step would be that you decide, well, do I want to glaze it? Do I want to put barbecue sauce on it? Do I, you know, or, or whatever you want to put, a pepper jelly. Um, so there's little, you know, every time I'm going to cook something, I think, all right, what's everything I'm going to do? I'm going to do a little injection. I'm going to do a bunch of this hot seasoning. I'm going to do this little glaze. You know, so they're all complimentary. I'm not, like, hammering you with each step. So, by the way, here at this competition, the guy that's the team of the year, mad respect for him. His pork, I took his class, his pork has over 25 ingredients in it. Like, it's madness. But, th- but that's what it takes in competition barbecue. It's super different than anything the three of us would do at home. A little tidbit for you. <laughs> 25 ingredients. I think it's actually 26, if I remember correctly. When I think of a hamburger, I think of a barbecue, okay? Traditionally, I would flip that hamburger five, six times. I'm all, and then I press it down, and then I come back a few minutes later and I do it. Talk to me a little bit, Matt, and Leith, you can interject on this too, but the, a, a really good hamburger is hard to come by, in my opinion, off of a barbecue. I'm very critical of hamburger. If it's not dead on in the right beef and the right and it cooked just perfect, if, if somebody was going to come up to you, Church, and say, can you cook, first of all, can you cook the ultimate cheeseburger or hamburger? Two, do you flip it while it's on a Traeger? And three, what is the internal temperature of that burger supposed to be for just ultimate just perfection as far as taste goes? All really good questions. Uh, so, I think the best burger has a little crust on it myself, and so I would love to have two triggers and have one that's really hot with ca- you know, like a cast iron skillet in it. I mean, you don't you don't have to have two, but two would make it easier. Or you can have their ranger, something that you could sear on. I like to get one really hot with cast iron. So, what I, my best burger would be smoked for a while and then seared to get that crust. So kind of like with a flat top, right? I love burgers off a of flat top. I just think that crust is important. The same thing with the steak. I, the reason I reverse here is you could always just smoke your meat to the doneness you want, but I think adding that crust, I call it, uh, the the flavor that comes from, you know, the, the, the meat hitting that hot metal with the black char mallard reaction, uh, I think that's next level. So on a Traeger, do I flip? I don't because the Traeger, if you're not searing, I mean, that thing's a smoker, basically. And I don't think you need to flip, honestly. When you say smoker, does that mean convection also to where it's getting yeah, all around to me? Exactly. You know, the smoke is kind of doing, you can't see this on the podcast, but circular. Exactly. So I don't think you need to flip it, personally. Not. It's okay if you do. I just don't, either way. And the internal temperature, that's an interesting question because, you know, the, the, the guidance is that you should cook hamburger meat to like 160, ground meat to 165. That's too much for me, personally. I... I order my burgers a lot lower temperature than most. I like to see some pink in mine. So, a little subjective, but at my house, you know, my cows can be mooing when I eat them. The rest of my family, they like them like a dang truck tire. Not not that bad, but my kids are like, sounds, it's sounds disgusting like how much they, yeah, exactly. Almost drives you nuts to where you like want to yeah. disown them, kind of? Well, if, you, if, you, if you're at my house and I'm making you a steak and I say, how do you want it? And you say medium rare, I say, all right. I mean, if you say, well done, I say, listen, go out the front door, see my F-350, just get down your knees and gnaw on that truck tire. Well, we can season it first. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite ongoing jokes is when I come over to a house with a buddy like you, as soon as the steak's on the plate, I'd be like, hey, Matt, you got to get some ketchup? <laughs> Hey, but I admit a lot of people. You admit that you're, you're not even going to tell me this, are you? You're not going to say that you put ketchup on steak, are no, you? No, but I was about to tell you that I really miss A1. Like really? from being a kid, right? Like when you were going to the Sizzler and you all had A1. And now I can't, I can't bust out A1. I'd be shamed out of this industry. I'm like, God dang, that stuff is good. 
it is I can break it out. It's got a good flavor to it. It does. Speaking of flavor, talk to me about the mixology approach to where there, there's been... Since Tom Cruise came out with Cocktail back in the day, which, golly, was awesome in that movie. I'm talking like, man, I want to be a bartender. Yeah. But you know the mixologist now, that these custom cocktails or craft cocktails. You go to some bars in Vegas. Well, you can go to a freaking shithole in Vegas, and it's going to be 30 bucks for a Jack and Coke. <laughs> but in Reno now, they have these bars. that I'm, I'm talking like 17, 18 bucks a pop for a cocktail, right? When it comes to being a mixologist in the barbecue world, this you guys are considered mixologists now when it comes to these rubs and this flavor and, and what you guys are doing. Uh, is this pulling the wool over my eyes now at Meat Church to where you're just doing the same thing that Lowry's does or Montreal Steak Seasoning or that Chad Ward's doing over here? Because now Traeger's got an entire line of rubs, fins and feathers, and the veggie rub, and the and the, poultry, the pork and poultry, and the chicken rub, and they're awesome. But are they all the same, or is there a science that's going into this that when I go and get a Meat Church product, is it going to be different than a whiskey bent rub and a, and a Traeger rub? Yeah, that's also a really good question. So, you know, I told you that I'm obviously, you know, my style's Texas. And if, if we fly down to Austin right now, the barbecue is going to be salt and pepper barbecue. And it's not necessarily 50-50, but a little more pepper than salt. But they call it a Dalmatian rub. Like, it is legitimately a 16-mesh pepper and kosher salt, and that's it. And it's really good. And it's it's the craze all over the world. You go you go anywhere, and people say, you could be in Germany and say, Texas barbecue. I do not. So there's something to be said for that. Well, then, we were out here, you know, I was talking to one of my buddies here today that owns a joint in Texas, and I said, you know, you're iconic with what you do, but yet I've got nine barbecue seasonings because those guys in the backyard want to do something a little bit different, right? And so they're all different. Um, rubs have to be really balanced. That's a big deal for me. My rubs are, I'm not bragging again, they're very, very popular in the backyard. And so I put out a new one two weeks ago, and it's almost nerve-wracking for me because I've set this standard. And if I came out with something that wasn't, frankly, amazing, I would. it's just the bar I've set. So just trying to be different. And Here's where I'm going with this, Matt, is... It's, there's almost like this misnomer in our culture, our society. And Leith, you tell me if I'm wrong on this, but let's apply it to country music. This guy's coming up in the honky tonks, and he's got this fan base. And they're going to his shows, and they're like, oh, I'm going to see Leith Lofton tonight. And everybody's like, who? And they're like, oh, Leith Lofton. I've been listening to him for five years. And then all of a sudden, he's got a hit on the highway. And now all of a sudden, these guys that have been supporting him for years, they're like, Man, these people don't even know who Leith is. I used to watch him when he was in Baton Rouge with eight people. You know where I'm going with this. Now, listen, you got Tabasco sauce. At one time, Tabasco sauce was a little tiny, this this is little tiny idea where this guy mixed up some hot pepper sauce and, and stuff, and then it went worldwide. And all of a sudden, people are like, Man, it ain't as good as my buddy makes in his garage. So you know, you know yeah. where I'm going with this, right? It's like you got this rub, and you go to Matt Meat Church's house, and you eat a steak, and everybody's like, "That's the best damn steak I've ever had." What is that? You know, like that was unreal. And then all of a sudden, he packages this stuff, and it gets big like it is. And then they're going to be like, "Man, that stuff is just overproduced. You're just mixing it too much." Yeah. Is there a, is there a certain level of worry when it comes to that? Yeah. So I, I kind of liken it to the beer industry, right? Like. Exactly. Look, we work. We both work with beer brands, and so everybody grows up, grows up drinking some sort of Miller Lite, Coors Light, Bud Light. But all of a sudden, it's not cool to drink that cheap light beer. You gotta have this dollar fifty craft beer, right? And it's taken over the world. So I mean, I tell people with my stuff. I mean, it's it's not mass produced. So does that make it any better? Not necessarily. But my marketing strategy is we're in specialty retail stores. We're not in big box stores. And I've got I had two calls from Costco this year alone. But the minute I go in a Costco, I will wreck on my specialty retail right because they'll say oh wait Costco's selling it for six bucks and I have to sell it for ten to make my margin so we haven't done that yet but we are the true definition of small batch craft whatever trendy word you want to use if you order from meatchurch.com it's never more than a week old which is insane and it drives me crazy but it's super fresh so I can tell you that if nothing else the quality that goes into it it's made by hand there's no machine or I mean there's a mixer but we actually fill by hand uh, despite how big we've gotten. So, you know, I think we keep the quality at a pretty high level. I like to think it tastes better. Do you worry, though, that it, you're going to get so big to where people are going to start saying, uh, Matt's overproducing this yeah. now? And it does. Here, here's the question I have for you guys. When you start over, when you start getting to this national brand level, does the quality stay there, or do you automatically get that reputation of, oh, it's here, let's take Tony Chastry's, for example. Tony Chastry's is available everywhere, even where I live now. 
You can go anywhere in Sacramento, California, Reno, Nevada, Portland, Oregon, and find Tony Chastri's. Whereas before, you're lucky to find it outside of New Orleans, maybe Dallas area. And it's awesome. But is it the same as it was when it was just Tony Chastri's down there in the South? Is it the same mixologist report of saying, it's the same, it's not being overproduced in this big factory now? You know what I, mean? I think it's a really good question because I even get that now. Not that I'm overproduced, but what happens is is uh, somebody on a Facebook page will say, oh, I seasoned that with Meat Church, and some guy will say, real pit masters mix their own rub, or, exactly. or I don't exactly. buy a commercial rub. And so I love it when they say that because I'll say, yeah, hey, I agree with you. I mix it myself, and I just so happen to start making it for you, you know, because I don't consider myself McCormick's, right? I'm not some ginormous operation. So. But McCormick's is, at one time, McCormick's was Meat Church. Right. That's yep. where I'm going with this. Yeah. At one time, McCormick's and, and Montreal steak seasoning was meat church. Well, here, I'll tell you what. It's not when, bad just because it's everywhere now, When right? I get that big and I'm McCormick's and I got that check, you can say whatever the hell you want about me. <laughs> but is it going to still taste the same as McCormick's did when it was in a little tiny garage? Well, see, some people, like, if you're a whiskey drinker, you get a bottle of Pappy's, Pappy Van Winkle. Pappy's. Chad Ward just comes sprinting over here. <laughs> Did he hear me say Pappy's? <laughs> Heard you say whiskey. Uh, well, see, you only make a, a certain amount. And when that amount's gone, then people just get that, that little message in the box saying, uh, out of stock. And if it just keeps going at that pace, then you just bump up the price. And whoever likes it the most is going to pay that price. Then you won't have to go in the big box stores. See what I'm saying? Ooh, I like this little marketing campaign you're going on here. Little Pappy's has a good, uh, see, they keep their quantities low, quality high. It's almost like people don't <laughs> like something when it gets famous. Yeah. It's, it, you, they support you when you're on your way up, and now all of a sudden meat churches and all of these retail locations, and they're like, wait a minute, this stuff was, was made for me. And this, I used to be able to call Matt, and he would drive me a bottle over. And now I got to go. happens. You know, that's that's my whole point yeah. is that it takes the authenticity out in a person's mind when it's just gotten so popular because it's that freaking good. Period. Why do you think I, I, I hadn't released that song yet, Chad? <laughs> you just don't want to blow I up. I play it in people's backyards only. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. You want to be low volume. You don't want to be low big volume, man. No, you Low don't volume. need UMG. You don't you don't need that label money. Well, here's the deal, guys, is that to to sit down and be able to talk like this, this is why we do this. I love the I love the idea of conversing. I love conversation and you, you get to know people quick through having obviously a little bit of a common bond. We all hunt, we all fish, we all love the outdoors, we all love our families, we're all proud of who our daddies were. Um, we all love the fact that we can get together and smell the smells that we're smelling right now and know that this company, this brand, this phenomenon called Traeger that is 30 years old really supports every single thing that we want to do with a backyard barbecue, with flavor, with meat. They don't sit there and say, hey, don't be creative. Don't think outside the box. They have their own line of rubs. They're paying this man sitting across from us to represent them as an influencer, as an ambassador, as a guy that's going to say, hey, cook on a Traeger. And then you turn around and he's got meat church rubs. That's how cool Traeger is. They're not going to cut his throat to save their, their rub line. They got their rubs and they know that they're different from him. So it's given us the ability to think outside the box, to be creative. And that's what I love about about this lifestyle so if there's something that that can come out of this weekend for me i've tasted chad ward snake river brisket i'm going to get to taste a lot of meat coming out of meat church this weekend as well as other pros that are on the traeger team what i came here for is exactly what we're doing right now the camaraderie and get to know people i love people's expressions on their face church when they hear a lee lofton song just like when i looked over to you when he was singing better days you're you're is it called better days or some days some days are better than others but when you were looking at him you're like wow didn't expect that and then when he hears you talk about barbecue he's looking at you like whoa i didn't expect this and that's what's so badass about these lifestyles so man congratulations on meat church i'm proud i got to know you i've been watching you and following you for the last year because of our association with traeger i've been seeing you on instagram blowing up 200,000 followers at meat church meatchurch.com Matt, I'm telling you, man, you're blowing up, and you got any final words? Appreciate you guys having me on. I just love to come talk barbecue. I mean, you know, I, I, I was flying up here, and I was sitting next to a guy, and I was like, 
I'm getting paid to do my hobby. It's the craziest thing. So it's again, like I said, it's like the American dream. So to, uh, you know, let me break it down for you. At the end of the day, we're cooking barbecue in a parking lot. Uh, you know, to be able to do that and and uh, be able to just associate with you guys the best at what you guys do, it's an honor to me. And you know, thanks for taking time to chat with me for a few minutes. Well, I appreciate the humility and saying that it's an honor to sit with us. It's it's an honor for us to sit with you. And what I really like is. I like one of these shirts with meat That'll shirts happen. on one side. I could picture like a Smitty name tag, like the gas station attendant Smitty. And that's a badass shirt right there, dude. I'm talking like that is it's he's got a gas station attendant looking shirt on that has the big square patch name tag on the left with Meat Church Traeger on the other side. Uh, he's got one more little logo over here on his sleeve that I'm not gonna mention right now because it's against against my religion. But um what? I've been there. I used to be with another cooler company. I get it. <laughs> oh, he just let the cat out of the bag on that. Um, we're, we have a lot of humility for what we get to do, and congratulations to you. I got a quick question for you, though, to end this real quick. Do you like to – to me, what we talked about with Traeger is that I don't like to barbecue by myself and just be manning that grill the whole time and not being able to socialize. And um, – this man has written a song that you're going to hear now that we're going to, he's going to play on the way out. I want you to listen to the words to this because he'll play it tonight. You'll hear it again. But you, I want your honest opinion, and you're going to end the podcast, Church, when he's done with this verse. Is it one of the most well-written songs you've ever heard? And should it be heard by the masses? This song's called Wingman. You want me to play Wingman, buddy? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> Three, two, one. Birds of the same feather Wherever I was you'd find him I fought my first fight alongside him Caught my first good buzz with him We were more like brothers Looking out for each other Hung together through thick and thin And together with him He picked that made me the thing Gotta have a wing man Swing man Ask questions later man Standing there when you're making you stand man him to pick you up again everybody needs a buddy like him gotta have a go to get you through all of what you're going through god knows he's gonna be there for you when it hits the fan you gotta have a wing man kind of screwed that lyric up in the chat belt not really yeah, in and out of trouble, couple dirt road rebels digging holes, no shovel could dig. Like Butch and the Sundance Kid, riding beside me, whatever we did. Gotta have a wingman, swingman, ask questions, little man. Standing there when you're begging, you stand. When you fall, you can call him to pick you up again. Everybody needs a buddy like him. Gotta have a go to get you through all of what you're going through. God knows he's gonna be there for you when he hits the fan. Gotta have a wingman. In case you need to marinate that steak, man. Yeah, fishing, fighting, drinking, raising hell. Man can't do it all by himself. Get it, Lee Lawson. But it ain't as fun. Without a wingman, swingman, ask questions, let a man standing there when you're making you stand. When you fall, you can call him to pick you up again. Everybody needs a buddy like him. Gotta have a go to get you through all of what you're going through. God knows he's gonna be there for you when it hits the fan. Yeah, man. You gotta have a wingman. Go ahead, Matt. Tell me. You know how you go to a concert and you hear a song that you'd never heard before, and then when you leave the concert, you get your phone out and you put up iTunes and you play the concert the whole way home? That, that song would end up in my playlist. Is that not unbelievable? It's like the lyrics clever. Like, I love it. It's called Wingman, and it goes with your chicken. 
I think that should be the news. <laughs> that should be okay. The this is gonna happen. This is gonna be Instagram phenomenon with Traeger grilling chicken with Meat Church Rub with your song playing with Wingman. Here it comes. But is that not awesome songwriting? Leith, I'm telling you, buddy, that's got to be heard by the masses. Guys, Chad Belding, this life ain't for everybody. Appreciate it. My man, Matt, Meat Church, Leith Lofton, my brother, Clay, Jordan Sargent from North Dakota is down here in Kansas City with us. We're at the Royal Barbecue Championships in Kansas City, Missouri at the Speedway. I'm humbled to be here. Thank you, Traeger. Thank you, everybody on Team Traeger from their corporate offices in Salt Lake City. We're blessed to have you guys as one of our main partners with, with the Foul Life. This life ain't for everybody and all of our brands. We can't wait to see what the future holds. Matt, thank you. Congratulations on Meat Church. Leaf, everybody's walking by Leaf Lofton right now going, bro, that's a great song, man. Where do I find it? Where do I? Hard to believe. Hard to believe. We'll release it one of these days. <laughs> small quantities, you know. <laughs> small quantities. Backyard only. So you're playing my birthday party this year. That's Thank you. See that? All you got to do is get a plane ticket, buddy, and about 10,000 of them greenbacks. That's what Lee's charging me now, $10,000 for a freaking car. He's made it. He's, made, he's taking it his hobby and he's hey, turned it into I never thought it would come to this when I first met everything. this small town boy from Mississippi on a porch in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, singing a song him and Drake White wrote called 50 Years Too Late. Now he's got what they call a rider, and Lee Lofton's rider's about that thick. <laughs> And he's got green M&M's in it. Burn ends are in the small print down there. <laughs> got you. I got you. Matt, thank you, Meat Church, brother. Congratulations on all your success. Leith, love you like a brother. We'll be back at you more again. Chad Belding, This Life Ain't For Everybody. Tom, Leith has been singing, but please play us out with what you're going to do when the money's all gone. The Royal Kansas City. Thank you, Traeger. I can't wait to see what the future holds, like I said before. Peace out. Long. What you gonna do when the money's all gone?